We are on demand today. That's right. You get to join us for an amazing time. We're going to be talking about some things that are going to, that are going to help you rise up and see the blind spots in your life. You can't see everything, but I want to show you some principles that will help you see your way to a better life. So stay with me today. It's going to be amazing. I love on demand. You get to get the word when you want it. Tell a friend about this. It'd be great for you. Stay there. It's going to be amazing. Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with me today. Now, we're going to have an incredible study today. It's a brand new series I'm going to start. And it's, it's, it's really about dreaming with blind spots and how you can have blind spots in your life. You have a dream, something you want God to do, but he can't. Because there are things in your life that you can't see that stop it from happening. You can have a great desire. You can have a great passion to be an athlete, but your workout habits your eating habits, your style of uh, learning hinders you from advancing, and it's a blind spot. You think you're fine, but you're not. What is your dream, and, and why hasn't it come to pass? Are there things that you refuse to face? Now, I believe churches are in that place right now. We're facing a big blind spot. I think our country is in a blind spot moment where there are things that are obvious to some but not obvious to others. All of us have had them. All of us have had moments when we just didn't get it. Can you play back in your mind the tape and say, huh, back in 19 or 2000, I don't know what year it was, when you just couldn't see. You were lost in love, lost in whatever, lost in a career, and you couldn't see what you were doing to your kids. You couldn't see what was happening to your family. But now you can see it because of all the damage. You look around you. It's amazing. You have 100, and, I don't know, at this count, approaching 150,000 deaths, and people still don't see how COVID-19 is a dangerous thing that we all need to take seriously. That's a blind spot. There's a, a casual attitude towards the whole experience that we're dealing with, and I'm saying, really? Why would we be casual about this? During a pandemic or an epidemic or a challenge or a family issue, I don't know, whatever it is you're facing, why would you be so casual about it? Well, could it be you have a blind spot? And all of us, all of us have them. All of us have them. We have our opinions. We have our views. They show, it just shows up in marriage in a strong way. Whenever you get married or when you go into business with somebody or you have some kind of intimate relationship, that's when you start noticing your blind spots. You didn't know you were that loud. You didn't know you were that rude. You didn't know you were that mean, trying to get the word out here. <laughs> you didn't know. And, and no one, maybe no one told you. Maybe people tried to tell you. Or maybe people told you, but you didn't believe them. That's just me. That's just how I am. Well, let me show you in the text. Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to show you in the Bible how this is all described by Jesus. Because he describes three areas, and we're going to talk about them each week here for the next three weeks. He describes three areas that we can be blinded in. And I think it's important. And these three areas are so profound. First of all, he says you can be blinded when it comes to your ignorance you just, or your understanding. You just don't understand. You, you, you just, you, there, when it comes to understanding, you just are ignorant, uninformed. Oh, boy, I've been there. Ooh, man. There have been times I thought I knew. There are times I thought I was informed, and I was so wrong. So I'll talk about that. Second thing he talks about is not just ignorance. He talks about depth. That I, you know, I thought I was deep. You know, religious people can really be this way. You know, they're so close to God. They talk to God all the time. But in reality, they're not that deep. They're shallow. 
And Jesus talks about that and he, and when he paints this picture of the fig tree, right, which is a story of how he came up on this fig tree, and the fig tree looked fruitful from afar, but up close it was dry and dead and lifeless. And we'll talk about the importance of depth. Thirdly, he talks about greed and how money and, and how we get so distracted by careers and jobs and life. And, and I'm not against those things. I think they're important. But if you're not careful, that becomes a driving force. And if you're not careful, the, the driving force in your life gets lost. You get lost somewhere between here and yonder place, and you become this person who cannot see. You cannot see how distracted you have become, how lost you have become in the land of make money and get money. And we'll talk about that too, all three of those. Let's start today with what he says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. Now, this is all said in the context of a parable because he's kind of having a conversation with his disciples and he's, he knows that everybody can't process it. So he, he says it in a way that they might get it, but the other guys around them won't because it's kind of like he's saying, okay, I want you guys in the conversation, but not those people. And, and so listen to this and you'll see what I mean. Matthew 13, verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out uh, of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude were gathered together to him and so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and the disciples came and said to him, Why, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. In other words, they're locked out, you're locked in. You get to know, they don't get to know. This is pretty plain. He's in a hostile environment. He's dealing with people who, who just, you, you can't quite communicate with them. They're, they're not right, they're not really with you. They're, they're not in tune. And so he's talking to the people that will hear him, and this is important. There are things that you will never be privy to because you can't hear them. So why tell you? In this story, he says that. I, I can't talk to them. So the big question is, what can he say to you about your life, your attitude, your money, your marriage, your body, whatever? What can't he say? Because you're so sensitive about how you feel about what you feel. Let me say that again. You're so sensitive about how you feel about what you feel. Hope I said it right. You, you're so focused on how you feel about something and you're so sensitive about your feelings and your view that you can't be communicated to. You got to be really, really concerned about that. You got to be concerned that there are things that somehow it's just impossible to say. Now, you know people and I know people, but you know people that you need to say things to. And sometimes it's your kids. You just want to look at them and say, do you really believe somebody's going to hire you looking like that? Do you really believe you're going to get a job acting that way? Do you really believe with that attitude? And so you want to say it, but you know how they are. So you just don't say it. You just kind of let it go. And so Jesus is talking, communicating great truth. If they paid attention, they would see something amazing, but they can't. Again, let me pause. Is that you? Now, let me start with this one example today. In the story, Jesus is going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys a story about a guy who went out to sow, a sower. 
And they all knew that because all of them did farming. You know, this is a big farming community. And so they understood seed, and they understood, you know, you go out and you throw the seed. And they understood you, how you do it, too. You know, there's a style to it. You know, you throw the seed out. And the seed, the goal of it is to get it to fall in the right spot. And if it doesn't fall in the right spot, if it falls on the rocks, you have a problem. If it falls off the path, you know, that you're trying, then, okay, we've got a problem. So there's a, a place you want the seed to fall. So when he, when he gives this parable, everybody gets it. Nobody's confused. He used language they understood. It's really important if you're going to teach the Bible, by the way. People need to understand you. Matthew 13, look at verse 3. Let me show you how this fits. And he spoke, to them, he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed some seed, fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Now, some of you that are not farmers don't get that. Remember, these are farmers. He's throwing seed out. So that's a sower. The guy throwing the seed out is a sower. He throws the seed out. And he sowed some of the seed fell on the wayside. It fell off the path he wanted to fall on. But he goes on and says, what happens, the birds immediately came and devoured the seed. Now, what does that mean? Well, in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 13, he explains. So he gives this parable, right? This illustration. He's laying a truth down that he wants to, to give another, um, a simpler explanation to. And so he says, all right. Here's the parable. Here's the, here's the example, the sower, the farmer guy. And here's what I want you to see. Now, in verse 18, he describes what he wants them to see. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. This is Matthew chapter, uh, again, 13, verse 18. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Then he who received the seed, by, this is he who, rather, who receives seed by the wayside. Now, 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 notice there are five characters in the story. Number one, there is a sower, someone who invests, and the investment doesn't work out because there's no understanding. The whole parable is about ignorance. The bottom line is they didn't get it. There, something was invested. A sower came, a guy came and invested something in them, made an effort to give them something, but it didn't connect. That's the first. The second person is the hearer. So you got the sower and you got the hearer. The hearer is someone who listens to the sower, to what was sown and what was taught, but it's for whatever reason, it's just not going in. So you got the sower, the hearer, and you've got the goal. The goal of the person sowing is to lift and create fruit in the life of the person hearing. That's what this is all about. But there's this fourth person, the wicked one, comes, some person, some philosophy, some, he calls it a bird, comes in and snatches away that which was sown. And that all, all of that is categorized as the wayside person. Hear it again. So, Somebody tells you about education. Let's make it simple. And they sow that into you. Education is important. Go to school, get a good education. So you hear it, right? But then once you hear it, it doesn't stick. You think, well, you know, I don't like school. Maybe I don't. And so you then allow third, a wicked person, somebody who comes in and says, oh, you don't need school. Forget it. And they snatch away what you were told. Who came into your life and changed your mind? Think about it. Who came into your life 
and turned you away from what you were taught and what you believed as a kid growing up that was right for you. You wish you could go back to not being on drugs. You wish you could go back to being a person who saved his or her money. You wish you could go back to not being violent because now you're stuck in jail, got a record for foolishness, and you say to yourself, somebody stole what I knew. I knew better. It became, for me, an amazing blind spot that I couldn't see. I was uninformed and didn't know it. I had become ignorant and didn't know it. Well, I'm going to tell you on that one, I want you to think about this. I can relate to that. I can relate to that on a lot of levels. There were things that I was clearly taught and told. There were things that were sown into me by my mother, sown into me by reading the word, sown into me in books and tapes, and between here and there, it got snatched. It, it just got snatched away. You know, exercise. What happened to you? You, you? you took classes, right? You read about it. You were a teacher. You're a doctor. You're a nurse. Give me a break, okay? What's, what was snatched from you? If we're honest, boy, a lot of stuff gets snatched. Some, some, and I love the way he says it. Generally, as a person, a wicked source, some person, philosophy, somewhere between here and there, we were told you can act like this with a man. Treat a woman like that. doesn't matter. Where would you learn that from? Was it movies? Was it, I don't know, music? I'm not saying, I don't know. I don't know. But the point is it becomes this blind spot that you no longer can see because you just don't know. I, I think it's amazing that the summation of it all is you're uninformed. And I must admit, I can look at a lot of things in my life and say, you thought you knew that temple, but you, you forgot that. And you, 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 you had a chance to know that, but you lost your way. You lost your way. You look around your house and you say, well, how in the world did it get this messy? How in the world did I get like this? How did I get this angry? Look in the mirror. How did you get that angry? Between here and there, something was snatched from you. Now, what's interesting is, it, when, when, when you're walking in a blind spot and you're walking in ignorance, you start developing assumptions. And, and I, I wrote a list of them down, assumptions that are just uninformed. And I see it in our culture. Let me give you an example. Let me give you a Christian assumption that I think is really dangerous. And it's one that's common. The Bible says we walk by faith, right, not by sight. And so I assume that that meant, I think it's 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, that somehow I thought that meant that I, I somehow could do things that were unwise and unnecessary, take risk, and that God would somehow protect me because I'm a believer and I have faith. Because I have faith that God would be there for me. Now, that is a sincerely wrong way to think. But there are a lot of people the way they live, their lifestyle says, this is okay because I have faith that God will provide for me. Okay, so give me an example. I'm watching in this current environment, and I want to pick on something for a minute, where they make plain that we are in a pandemic. We're in a pandemic. Over 121, as of the day of this taping, 121,000, 25,000 people have died from COVID-19, okay? So for some reason, people who are Christian, 
people who are church people, assume that I can embrace this unnecessary risk and nothing's going to happen to me because I'm a Christian. I'm walking by faith. So I don't have to, don't have to wear a face mask. I don't have to worry about distancing. I, I'm, I'm somehow, I don't know, protected. That's amazing to me. To me, that's a blind, wrong assumption. It's a blind spot. And it's uninformed. So I assume sometimes that walking by faith meant embracing unnecessary and unwise risk. That's what I thought. And if I'm honest, that was a blind spot in my life at times. I have made a decision, if I'm not careful, that I can fall victim to that again. I can get into a toxic relationship. I can become exhausted. I can fall victim to COVID-19. I can get into a debt problem. I can get into a cash problem. I can have an unhealthy body. All because I assume that, that somehow I'm walking by faith and I am a Superman and it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's so wrong. Here's the second assumption. I assume that walking by faith is a nonprofit defined assignment and did not require building of strong cash, reserves, assets, and long-term options. In other words, walking by faith meant, you know, God to provide for me. I don't have to work on saving money or building assets. And then there was a verse I used to attach to it, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. This talks about the love of money is the root of all evil. So somehow a blind spot for me or for a lot of believers can be, was and could be, that somehow you just, it'll be all right. You don't have to make focusing on wealth and money and development a priority, that somehow it's just going to come together. And, and I, I think that's just uninformed. Who taught you that? Think about what I've just said, two things, right? One, I've said, when it comes to the way we're managing the pandemic, the way we're managing our health in the name of faith or whatever, is a blind spot. That is, you, you were taught better than that. You were taught to be cautious. You were taught to be careful. You were taught to take care of yourself. But now you're on this, I don't know, imaginary uh, uh, plane where it's like, well, you know, I don't have to worry about that. God will protect me. Who, who told you that? Who snatched, who snatched, who snatched out of your mind uh, common, uh, I say this, hear this in love, common, uh, mom used to call it common sense, you know what I mean? Um, the, the things that are obvious, and if 100,000 plus people dying doesn't help you see it, I don't know what will. I mean, Please don't turn me off yet. Just hear me. I'm trying to show you in my life, there are tendencies for me, if I'm honest, to have things that I, I know be snatched from me. And I go from being informed to being uninformed, to being knowledgeable, to being ignorant. It's amazing. Things that I know about money, read books, studied, but then you just pretend you can just spend. And, and you ignore what you're doing. You get in this space well, you're not even paying attention anymore. Which brings me to the third point. You ready? So number one, I assumed that walking by faith meant embracing unnecessary and unwise risk. Number two, I assumed that walking by faith uh, in a nonprofit defined assignment did not require the building of strong cash reserves. I'm in a nonprofit. I'm a church. This is nonprofit. So we don't need to save money. We can just believe God. He'll provide. And so anyway, number three, I assumed that those who walk by faith were more morally committed than those who were unchurched. And boy, was I wrong about that one. 
I thought because you went to church and you prayed and you were, quote, saved. I thought, oh, man, saved people, religious people. Why? People who talk about Jesus, people who, who are born again. They're, they, they're, they're fine. And it's just it's those unsaved people. And I'm thinking, boy, was I wrong about that one. Wow. Blind spot. So busy dancing in church and running around the building and praising God and singing and doing great spiritual things. And for some of you, you know, who are from my tradition, the Pentecostal tradition, you know, you speak in tongues, you, you, you believe in healing and you're, you're excited and you're a preacher and you're traveling all over the world and you're going and you're doing, but you don't realize morally you slipped off the cliff. The things that we allow, the things that we do and still claim to know Christ it's amazing. It's a blind spot. And I just kind of wonder if that's not why we're where we are. You know, the, the Bible, you know, there's something about judgment starting in the house of God. Revelations chapter one talks about it. He calls the seven churches into, into court and says, hey, come here. Let me talk to you about your behavior, your lifestyle, what you're doing and not doing, live how you're living and not living. I mean, it, it's tragic to me that you could be we could be this blind and not know it. This lost, this racially divided, this confused, and, um, and not know it. <laughs> I've done a lot of soul searching, and I, I want to read a verse to you. It's the verse that I love. It's Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. It says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin, sin is a reproach to any people. You know, when you see sin, and what's sin? Sin is when you're doing stuff that's not good, right? It's not healthy for you. That's why, that's why something's a sin. It's a sin to walk in front of a train, right, because it can kill you. It's a sin to drink poison because it can kill you. It's a sin. It's a sin to not take care of your body because it hurts. It's a sin. And so righteousness lifts up people, but when you do things that are bad for you, it, it brings reproach and shame. To any people, white, black, whoever. So you see, I assume that we as a church should understand that and we should maybe reconsider what we're doing. Maybe the model we're living under isn't right. Maybe the model we've been following needs to be reviewed. Maybe the choices we've made. Maybe we need to adapt to something new. Maybe, that, maybe the path we got on was really the wrong path. We were blinded and didn't know we were off. We were, we were, something was snatched from us and we didn't see it. And maybe it's time to change. Maybe it's time to adapt. Maybe that's what this is all about. And the spiritual leaders <laughs> need to be more in tune and more clear because the world around us is changing. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm weary. I'm weary a little bit because I'm, see, I'm seeing us push and shove against what's obvious. And I want to just sometimes say, what, what don't you get? How, how are you going to explain away what you see? Watch this for a second. Think about it. Technology's changed. Okay, so it's different. Technology's completely shifted and changed. And so you're fighting technology. Tell me why. Why are, you, why are you fighting the obvious? Why, Pastor, why are you fighting the obvious? Why are you fighting? You're, you're fighting the obvious things they said to you. They told you you can't go back in your church for a while 
And if you do, you can only take a few people with you. If you have 1,000 people, you might can get 100 in there. If you have 1,000 seats, you might can get a little under 100. Okay, so what are you going to do, Pastor? What are you going to do? You're going to take the 100 people in there and you're going to, what are you going to do? It's not enough people, right? If you got 1,000 seats. So you got to do this. It's new technology. You have to embrace it. You can't run from it. You can say you don't like it. You can say, but this is it. This is the new day. And if you run from this technology, if you acknowledge, if you, if you, allow, if you allow yourself to pretend, that's a blind spot. That's a blind spot. Reality is what we're dealing with. You know, when you're in a fight, you've got to know where you are. You've got to know, I'm in this fight, not that fight. I'm in this situation, not that situation. And if I ignore the truth, I'm, this is a blind spot. I, I, am, I am going to, I am never going to get to where I should be because I can't look at it and say, this is it. This industry is dying. The technology is shifting. We're no longer using horses. Once upon a time, a horse was an amazing technology. It was amazing. You know, when you, were, when you first, almost fell, you saw that, right? When you, when I, that's what happens when you get excited. So imagine, this is a horse. When you first saw the horse, man, you got on the horse, you go, oh, my God, this is amazing. Oh, do you feel that thing underneath me? Look at this. Boy, I am. And you know, this was an amazing technology. You, I mean, you could really make a difference. But... <laughs> this is over now. It's no more, no more of this. Now it's a car, right? Now it's a car. I won't fall again. Watch this. Car, car comes along. You got to get in. Open the door. You got to get out. Sit in. All right. Bam. You know, you got to cut it on. Yeah. All right. You got to drive. It's different. And if you keep trying to ride a horse, keep pretending. Your job's changing, your life's changing, you're in a new fight, and you need to face it. And if you don't, you lose. If you don't, everything you work for gets lost. So I used to assume spiritual leaders were clear about all this. I thought spiritual leaders were insightful people who could see everything, but I am no longer convinced of that. I am convinced that sometimes spiritual leaders are blinded by their own <laughs> charisma. And they can't look and even see what's been snatched. What's been snatched from you? What, what, who came along and changed your mind about the way you should act and live? Who told us? Who told us that we can only service God in the building? Where'd you get that? question. Where would you get that idea? No 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 shame on the Catholic Church, okay? When I make this statement. But a lot of that comes from Catholicism. In the first century when the from forward after Christ's death and the disciples' death, the church became more formalized and so you had bishops and elders and you had all of these um, you had buildings because back in you know the days of the early or the disciples they didn't have buildings they went from house to house Acts two forty one and forty two they went from house to house there were no buildings and so now all of a sudden um, you get to third fourth fourth century and it keeps moving and before you know it and it's more formalized and man now wow church is a building the church is the house of God and 
that's fine if you designate it that way, but it's not the only house of God. It's not the only place you can meet. It's not the only place God. As a matter of fact, one of the great principles in Scripture is wherever you are, you build an altar there, and that becomes the house of God. The word Bethel was used by, by Abraham to describe where he, he stopped and said, right here, I want to build me an altar. This is going to be, I call it Bethel, house of God. You name house of God. And then this idea, here we go, that, that somehow I'm the pastor and you really need me. And that, 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 you know, I'm the center of your spiritual universe. Wrong. I'm not. I'm supposed to be the supplement to the family. I help the daddy get his act together. The mama, I help supplement. And the family is at the center. I mean, I understand, I understand the value of church. I got thousands of members. I get that. I'm not against membership. I'm not against church. I'm saying my job description was somehow hijacked and someone snatched out of my mind the truth about my job. Ephesians 4 says he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints so they can go and do the work of the ministry, not so they can all come sit up in a building. I'm not against coming to a building because some people are going to get really nervous now. I'm simply saying now that you are home, most of us, and now that you have to do this differently, don't get lost in the building concept. I'm not against the building. I keep saying that. I get it. I'm saying to you that there's, a, there's, a, there's something that's been snatched out of our mind. I'll give you a big one. Your kids', your kids salvation is your, your job, not mine. The salvation of your household is your family, your job. Look around you. That house you're in right now, wherever you are, that's your house. That's not my house. Your house. Where I live, where the temples live, that's my house. My two kids was my responsibility then and now, then and now, to teach them the word of God, to help them grow. That's my job. My job was not to become some entertainer, preacher dude. And that's what we've become. Somebody snatched something out of our minds. Somebody snatched something out of our thinking. Somehow, I'm concerned that your missing church is not missing God. It's missing fellowship. I want to be with people. Anything wrong with that, Pastor Rick? No, nothing wrong with that. Well, what good is being with people and you don't get along with people in your house? Why can't you fellowship with them? Why don't you have prayer with them? Why don't you sing with them? What is going on in your house? Where is God in your house? You come to church to escape your house, but your house is full of hell. It's not full of heaven. Why don't we get your house right? Maybe God sent you home to get your house right. Maybe God was tired of you coming to church pretending you're okay, but your house is a mess. Maybe God wants you to go clean up your house, have time to deal with your house, and build your house. Maybe not build the church, but build your house where you live. That's the power of God manifested in your life. He came to save the lost. He didn't just come to build numbers too impressed with people like, like people who achieve stuff. I mean, it's great. I, I'm happy we've achieved stuff. But I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if our job description is off. Let me just take a big leap off the cliff here. School system. I know I want to see the kids go back to school, but you know what? Those are your children. Your children. Now you appreciate the teacher, don't you? Mm-hmm. 
you got to treat, teach them math and science and English. And a lot of places around the world, education is not free, you know. You don't get a free education that your children can go to the school and cuss out the teacher. Well, your children can go to the school and you come down there and cuss out the teacher because your child failed because you didn't do homework with them. And you blame them because you don't, don't, they didn't teach your child algebra. Well, you teach it to them. I pay taxes. You don't pay that much. Teachers don't make that much to be cussed out and yelled at. See, understand, here's what happened. Somehow it was snatched out of our mind that these are our kids. This is my responsibility. This is my family. This is my job. This is not the job of the preacher. This is not the job of the, of the mayor. This is not the job of the community leader. This is not the job of the president or the Senate. This is my house where I live, and I need to handle my house where I live. That's the truth. And that, my friend, is a blind spot a lot of people don't see. And therefore, they have no depth. Next week, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to talk about depth. You want to get more from God, you want more to happen in your life, you got to go deeper. You can't just rely on what you got, what you know, what you think. Are you willing to face your blind spots? How much are you willing to know? Sometimes you're not willing to know anymore, and that's why you can't have any more. It's hard for me sometimes to face my blind spots. It's hard to face that maybe your marriage is where it is because of what you, where you, the way you act. Maybe you don't have any friends because of the way you treat friends. You're always borrowing money, don't pay back. You always, I mean, I know what it is. I don't know what your blind spots are, but we all have them. You may have a dream, but if you dream and you don't deal with your blind spots, you won't get far. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for people today who've heard this message. I pray for these men together. I pray that what I've said has been helpful. I pray that these hidden blind spots would become obvious, that they would open their hearts and minds and say, I get it. I see it. I'm clear. I pray they would rise above their fears, rise above their insecurities, and that they would say, I need to change. Somebody would pray, I believe God did this moment, and say, Lord, forgive me because this is my house. I've been relying on the pastor to save my people in my house. I've been relying on somebody else to build my business. That's my business. You gave it to me. I need to take charge. I don't know what it is, Father, that they've not looked at. Their health is your health. They, they're, they're eating themselves into, into sickness and disease. Touch them today. Take responsibility for their life. And so I give you all the praise and all the glory for them. In the name of Jesus, the name of all names, I pray for healing and grace in their life today. Amen. Hey, listen, thank you for being with me today. I hope you were blessed by today's message. I hope it helped you. I hope it stirred you to think about your life and future. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to please take a moment. If you want me to pray with you, you want me to send some information to you to help you, there's a, there's a number, right, an email right there and a number you can text to right there on your screen. I want you to reach out. You can reach out to me personally if you'd like to at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. That's pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. Or you can send me, send a text to this number that's on your screen. And let me pray with you and help you get your life going in the right direction. This could be the beginning of a new life for you. It all starts with you making a decision. Well, I pray this helps your dream. I hope you see things today that you didn't see before. If you dream with blind spots, you can't see. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you don't know. How much do you really want to know? This sermon challenges you to know more. So let me pray for you. Father, let this be the beginning of a new day where we open our hearts to truth, where we allow you to talk to us about things in our lives that are difficult. I give you all the praise and glory for the opportunity to be in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, you be blessed. 
you'd be free. Take this message, send it to somebody that may have a blind spot, may it help them see too. God bless you. Have a great day.